Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Y'all ready for this? This is the Gimme the Hogs Chuck Podcast presented by Weikert Realtors, the Griffin Company. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. He is a loathsome, offensive brute, yet I can't look away. This is the business we've chosen. This is like catching a big brown trout on the White River. I've always wanted this. Give me the hogs, Chuck. Undefeated team. It all end right here. Hasn't been an undefeated team since 1976. Indiana. Oh, it guys to hold on to Robertson. He scores. Four seconds. Timeout. Timeout. It was a great save by Valentine. He was surprised by the pass. One of the great moments in Razorback basketball history. One of the moments that we will always remember. It's hard to imagine Charles Ballantyne being gone at 60. But as you have no doubt heard by now, uh, the Razorback legend and just great Arkansan uh, passing away way too early at the age of 60. I know that hits home for a lot of people. And you know, it really speaks today about you know what the Razorbacks mean to us as a people and what happens when a Razorback athlete, particularly one from within the borders of our state, becomes a hero and how that affects the rest of their life. And um, Charles Ballantyne was a one-of-a-kind guy and a terrific guy and a, uh, just the kind of guy you were proud to call your friend. And he embodied everything that you would always hope a Razorback hero would be. And I know many people are, are sad today uh, at the passing of Charles Ballantyne at the age of 60. That's where we begin on the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast today. There are some other things. Obviously, the Razorbacks are beginning football preseason camp today. We're going to hear from Sam Pittman a little bit later. But clearly, the passing of a Razorback legend has become the lead story today across Arkansas and across all the places where people follow the Razorbacks. It was one of those moments where we all remember where we were. If you are old enough to remember uh, 1984, February, when they played North Carolina and Michael Jordan in Pine Bluff, you remember right where you were when Charles Ballantyne hit the shot. I do. I remember exactly where I was, the chair I was sitting in, where it is today, how I jumped up when the shot went in, where I stood as North Carolina inbounded the basketball in Tulsa's Steve Hale, who Arkansas tried to sign at one point in time. When Steve Hale put the shot up, and as you heard a minute ago, Al McGuire said it was good, and it almost was. It was such a great moment. U.S. Reed had hit the shot to beat Louisville in the NCAA tournament in 1981, and then there was this shot from Charles Ballantyne. And until Scotty Thurman hit the shot to win the national championship in 1994. Those were the two biggest shots in Razorback basketball history. And, you know, at the time, Michael Jordan was not what Michael Jordan became. He was a great player, the best in college basketball, arguably, but he was not Michael Jordan. And at the time, North Carolina fielded a team that was ranked number one in the country. They had six players drafted into the NBA. It was a super team. And they came to Pine Bluff, and Arkansas beat them. And, you know, it was interesting this morning when we talked about Charles's passing on the morning rush to hear the comments from people and the memories 
that his passing had sparked for Razorback fans and all the things that came flooding back for so many of us. We reverted to whatever age we were when that shot went in. Joe Klein was his teammate. In fact, if you look at that iconic picture of the ball in the air and Charles in the air and the ball hasn't yet dropped through the net and you see Joe Klein and Alvin Robertson facing the basket as we all watched in those nanoseconds between the time the ball left his hand and it and it went through the net. Joe joined us on the morning rush today and clearly it was in the aftermath of just finding out the news late yesterday into the evening for most people and um, this was part of our conversation with Joe. Joe we hear teammates talk about and use the phrase brothers for life and we hear the phrase a lot and sometimes it means something to us and sometimes it doesn't but there was a bond and it seemed like that group maintained that bond for a great number of years and I just wondered if you would talk a little bit about that the value of a teammate as you move through your life Chuck I mean um, I think you know being older and being on a few teams, I think it's the best thing about sports. I mean, it's the it's the best. It's the thing you miss the most is the locker room, uh, the the camaraderie, uh, the traveling together, the practicing together, to going through uh, preseason workouts, going through the good stuff and the bad stuff. But you you're doing it together, so you're all. You're all miserable together. You're all happy together. You're all getting cussed out together. I mean, you're just, you know, you're, you're experiencing something together and it, it bonds you. And, uh, you have your own little, uh, fraternity, uh, that, you know, a lot of people want to get into but can't. And, uh, and then you, get to have experiences like the North Carolina game, Houston game, uh, just all those things that either make it, you know, stronger and better. And, you know, it's just, it's when you, when you get together and you see, you know, you may not see guys for 20 years, but when you get together, you know, it takes about five minutes to get back in that mode and you start laughing and, bringing up this guy and that guy and this coach and that coach and what he did, you know, and all these things. And a lot of it is very, very private that is only shared, that can, that can only be shared <laughs> with with uh, with your group. And uh, it's just, it's it's really special. Big Joe, what, what kind of teammate was Charles Ballantyne? He was, uh, I remember the first time I saw him, uh, and he was with Dudley Dawson, and uh, he, uh, we were in Wilson Sharp, and I looked at him, and I was like, you know, man, what a country dude this dude is. And coming from a, a guy from uh, the big city of Slater, Missouri, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the culture, the the cultured person that I was, uh, you know, uh, but I just remember how how nice he was and uh you know and and you know he was i mean I'm, I'm gonna be quite honest with you i remember when we started playing he was skinny and uh 
really raw. And I remember we started playing pickup games, uh, and he was he would get destroyed. I mean, just and we were all you know we liked him, but we were in the back of our mind. You know, you're like, don't know if this this cat's gonna make it. I mean, don't know if he's gonna be able to play. And to his credit. The next year, he was a starter on a, on a really top five basketball team. And so, you know, his work ethic, uh, his humility, you know, it's just very, he was raised really good. Um, you could tell that. Um, and just, uh, you know, but I mean, he, he worked and nicest person you'd ever see, but he'd rip your heart out on the floor if he had to. Joe Klein with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. And, Joe, you mentioned kind of where he was from. He's in Arkansas. And I I always find it curious when you have a a young man like yourself that comes from out of state combined with a young man from state, what did he teach you about just kind of the Razorback lore? And and what did you learn from him about just what it means to be a Razorback? Well, I've, I've always said this. I think it's so important. I think the more kids you have from Arkansas uh, on any team uh, um, up here, I think it helps. Uh, I help it helps out of state guys like me when you first come in. You see and uh, realize just by being around them and being around their people and their family and stuff how what a big deal it is, you know, and how important it is and how sacred it is to be a Razorback. And I think, you know, that really helps uh, guys that, you know, have watched the Razorbacks from the outside but just don't understand how deep it goes. And, um, you know, I think those are the, those are the, the, the greatest things that, you know, in-state kids um, can bring. And, you know, Charles certainly brought that. I mean, he was, you know, just so happy to be a Razorback and wanted to do well. And You know, he put the effort because uh, he didn't want to let his family down or let the state down. And, again, that's something that, you know, you see that and it rubs off on you and you become that as well. Joe, you've done such a good job at this, and I've, I've, I've watched so many former players in the way they handle themselves after their careers are over um, and the way they interact with fans. Charles had a shot that brings back all sorts of memories for Razorback fans, not just the game, but who they were with, where they were. The way he carried that and the way he gave people their moment I always marveled at that. I marvel at that with you, frankly, and Scotty and some of the others. Um, he always seemed to be at ease in that role. It never seemed to be a burden for him. I just wondered if you'd talk a little bit about what he was like after the basketball was done. You know, Charles was the same. I mean, uh, which, I mean, he he was the same person. I mean, um uh, he was always good to everybody. He always treated everybody with respect, uh, treated them the same. Uh, you saw that. Um, I mean, I, I, he and I would laugh, you know, when we would have lunch or something every now and then. Uh, uh, 
you know, we always and we always laugh about this even to this day about the North Carolina game. I, I mean, Pine Bluff, what did it see, Chuck? Seven thousand people. And, maybe, maybe. Um, I've met seventy five that were there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I guarantee you, you could probably double that with Charles. Uh, them telling him they were there for the shot. And so, uh, you know, but, you know, it, it was, I was never uh, not with him somewhere in public and somebody not come up and talk to him about that shot. And he, I mean, never, I mean, I never, ever at a gas station, at a fast food place, golf course, wherever, wherever we might be, somebody came up to him and talked to him about that shot. And like he just said, he looked him in the eye and talked to him and talked to him about the shot and gave him, you know, let them talk about it and was very appreciative and just, again, you know, I mean, you know, that's a testament to him, testament to how he was raised. Uh, you know, he, he valued, uh, you know, he valued people. Um, he didn't dismiss people. Um, and, you know, it's just, you know, again, it was, we can all learn stuff by watching other people. And, uh, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, by watching him, how he, he was so hum- humble and uh, appreciative of the fans of Arkansas, you know, again, it, it helped guys like me, that were coming from out of state, uh, even to this day, to understand, you know, this is it's a big deal to be a Razorback, and there's a certain way you need to act, there's a certain way you need to carry yourself, and this is how you do it. Charles hits the shot, the baseline jumper goes in, timeout is called, the NBC cameras cut to near midcourt where you and... Charles or embraced you got his arm around his neck what do you remember about that moment and what did you whisper or maybe even yell into his ear as loud as that building was at that moment I think uh, we were hugging and then we looked up and said oh crap there's three seconds left (laughs) 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 no but uh, I don't know it was just that that whole game I tell people all the time I mean I have never been in a more intense game in my life, that that game felt like the last two minutes for 40 minutes. I mean, we would stop them and it would be like, you know, we stopped them. And, you know, it, it was like you stopped them with 30 seconds left in the game and there was 18 minutes to go in the first quarter, I mean, the first half. So you'd score and you'd feel good about it. And, and I mean, it just was such a emotional game. And I, I just think, you know, he and I were hugging like, you know, you know, thank God this thing's almost over. But you know, we had we, we got to finish it, and but you know, we knew we were in a really good place, and you know, we were just we were really. I mean, I think it was just mostly just a lot, just happiness. You know, we were. You know, we knew we had a great shot. We just had to close it out. And um, you know, I always joked with him. I was like, Alvin should have thrown me the ball, and I could have. I could have been somebody, but he threw it to you. <laughs> you know, he always. He always like that. He'd always give me a side eye on that one. I'd be like, you know, I was wide open there in the middle of the lane, and I would threw it to you. But I could have, I could have really been something if he'd have thrown me the ball. <laughs> 
Joe, I can't think of a, a better place to end it this morning. I know it's it's been a hard 24 hours, but we really appreciate you making some time for us this morning and uh, sharing about Charles Ballantyne passing at the age of 60 yesterday. Well, you know, tell the people, you know, you love them. Uh, call people. Tomorrow's not promised. So, good guy. Couldn't miss it. You know, when you hear Joe's voice, he feels it in a personal way. You know, for most people, we remember that great game. And we remember the memory that he gave us that will last a lifetime. But for his teammates, they remember him in a much more personal way. And you could hear that as he talked about Charles. The one thing that I want to mention before we move on on this topic is something that that Joe said about when Charles would visit with fans about that shot and what it meant to them. He said very simply, if you'll go back and you listen to what Joe said, one of the comments there was a very quick one. He said he let them talk. That's so important. And Charles understood that instinctively. And I think about how his life was affected by that moment. The same way Scotty Thurman's life was affected by that moment. And U.S. reads to a great extent by that moment. You get asked about it every day. I can tell you from working with Scotty on our Learfield broadcast a few years back and spending a good bit of time around him in the arena, there was not one single fan who approached him. And a lot of them approached him, I promise you. But not one single fan approached him where that moment didn't come up. And they talked about where they were, and he let them talk. And that's so important. And Charles understood that too. As Joe said in the conversation, and as I'm certain was the case, he didn't have a single conversation with a Razorback fan where that moment didn't come up. And you got to let them talk. You got to let them tell you about where they were and who they were with. Maybe how they hugged their dad. They thought about that when he passed away a few years later. You've got to let them talk. And Charles did that. And that's what you want your heroes to do. Because they need to understand, and he did understand, what those moments mean to us. And so not only did he give us that moment, not only did these players who make these plays, and we talked about this when Ryan Mallett died, Not only do they give us these plays that we remember forever, when in many cases we have an opportunity to meet them, and it's a small state, and if you stay here, you're going to have an opportunity to meet your heroes. And when you do, and when you did, they gave you that moment to relive again, and they listened to you talk. And Charles was so good at that. That's what made him such a wonderful ambassador for our program. We were richer and are richer as a people for having had Charles Ballantyne in our lives. And that's a really powerful legacy. Most people can't say that when they're done. Uh, But he can. He carried it so well. And uh, we will miss him. 
and we will honor not only his legacy as a player, but uh, his legacy as a person because he meant a lot to a lot of people, his family clearly above all others. It's not exactly the happy note that we like to visit with you about on Friday, but um, it's a life worth noting. And others will probably say it better than I do and better than we do because others like Joe Klein knew him so much better. But um, Charles Ballantyne was a -a one-of-a-kind guy, and we were fortunate to have uh, shared some space on earth with him while he did what he did. Hey, if you're buying or selling a home, I want to talk to you about Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, my partner, when I bought and sold a home. I remember the first time I was out there uh, trying to make sense of it all. I couldn't. But they did because they're trained real estate professionals. They do this every day. When you partner with an agent from Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, you're getting the best train in the business. Nobody has better training than Weicker. So when you partner with them, as a buyer or a seller, you're partnering with someone who understands every nuance of the market. And sometimes it matters where you live. Location does matter. And they understand all of that and how to make it work to your advantage, no matter which side of the table you're sitting on. They'll get you from contract to close. And that's the bottom line in a real estate transaction. They've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Bentonville, Springdale, Fort Smith, Branson. And you can always log on to WikerGriffin.com. Well, that's a great question and a great point, Chuck. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach, and if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're listening to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast presented by White Curd Realtors, the Griffin Company. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirty. It is hot, man. I mean, it is the dog days right now. And the Razorback football team's got to practice right in the middle of all of it. And they've started today. They uh, got to go a little earlier than originally planned. The heat's a big part of that. If you've walked outside, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Camp begins today. 25 practices, 29 days. This is Sam Pittman. Camp's long enough as it is with less full pads than what we've ever had before. We decided to go ahead and just bring them in the 29 days before to get our 25 in. They'll have the first Wednesday off and then Saturdays after that. We'll scrimmage 
in two weeks. Then we'll start prep about 10 days out for Western Carolina. But we're excited about getting it going. It's going to be hot. We understand that. We have adjusted our times. We're going to go in the a.m. With it being over 100 degrees over the next three days, we're going to have practice in the a.m. So we, we know we're in condition. We've been conditioning in the heat all summer. We're trying to have some really good practices, so we have plenty of time to get them acclimated to the heat, heat. But right now we've decided to change our first few practices to the a.m. You know, you got to be commonsensical about this. Um, certainly you want to build and breed toughness in your team, but they've done that over the course of the summer. There's no sense of being stupid. There is going to be plenty of time over the course of the next month. There's going to be plenty of time to become acclimated to the heat. And it'll be hot when they play Western Carolina, but they've got plenty of time over the next month to become accustomed to that because it's not going away. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be like this all August. I hope not. But they're going to have plenty of hot days to work. And lots of questions that are going to be asked and some that are going to be answered and some that are going to linger right into the start of the season. But that's the way it is every year. And I know everybody's excited about getting this thing underway, and we're not that far away. Less than 30 days now before the Razorbacks open their season Labor Day weekend. They'll be working through the weekend. We'll be back on Monday. And we'll provide a synopsis of what has happened. I'm certain we'll hear from the head coach. He'll have some comments after practice during the weekend. So we'll have that for you on Monday. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. And... We'll be around on Monday. Hope you will be, too. Until then, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the Gimme the Hogs Chuck podcast. Go to hitthatline.com or search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and share. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.